0: Ange emailed us at pods at rnz.co.nz with a recommendation. She's loving The Sporkful with Dan Pashman, says the show's become a recent podcast obsession and strongly recommends an episode called A Brief History of American Barbecue.
2: Southern barbecue was created when enslaved cooks combined African spicing traditions, European meats, and Native and African cooking methods. As slavery pushed West, regional barbecue variations were born. Tennessee, Alabama, Texas. In the 1920s, the Great Migration began. A million African Americans moved north, and new barbecue traditions began in Kansas City and St. Louis. Now, as we all know, barbecue is like America's culinary national pastime. Whole books have been written about it. Food writers crisscross the country looking for the best places, and people wait hours to eat at the most famous spots. But while most of us know about pulled pork in North Carolina, brisket in Texas, ribs in St. Louis— The Great Migration also created a barbecue tradition in Chicago that gets much less attention. This is a dish that I would say that half the city
3: actually knows about. Uh, And I would say that's majority people who live on the south side. It's majority African-Americans who grew up on this. And if you are on the north side of town, just because rib tips don't even exist on the north side of Chicago,
2: you don't even know what it is. This is Chicago-based food writer Kevin Pang. You've heard him here on the show before, most recently in our MSG episode. Kevin runs the food website The Takeout. He wrote about Southside Chicago barbecue recently for Savour magazine. Now, Chicago is one of the most segregated cities in America. Depending on which stat you use, it might be the most segregated. And in Kevin's piece, he explores not just the history of this food, but also why it doesn't get more attention. There's a lot of reasons. It's just
3: um it's on the south side of Chicago. The fact that it's really been stigmatized these last few years as a place that tourists aren't really gonna go, the fact that it's really hard to get to, the fact that there's no sit down places, most of these places are just takeout places only. It would be very hard to motivate someone to drive forty five minutes to a place that has a bulletproof carousel window. Uh, that's takeout only, that's really not a really good sell if you really want to experience outside barbecue. I think that's part of the reason why you don't see a lot of Northsiders making the trek all the way down to the South Side just to try this very singular style of barbecue.
2: There are a few things that make Chicago barbecue distinct. First, it's only on the South side of Chicago, which is the mostly Black side. The pitmasters are almost all Black men most of them moved to Chicago from the South at the tail end of the Great Migration in the 60s and 70s. And they all use a very specific cut of meat, pork rib tips. That's the knobby end of the St. Louis spare rib that's sometimes thrown away. On its own, it just looks like a very short rib, but instead of a bone in the middle, there are chewy, crunchy bits of cartilage. The most distinct part of Chicago barbecue is the pit itself. You know, in the South, the meat's usually smoked out back, but in Chicago, where real estate's expensive and winters are cold, that's not an option so they use something called an aquarium smoker picture like a carnival popcorn machine but bigger it's got those four walls made of plexiglass you can see through hence aquarium that's where the meat sits the wood goes in the metal compartment underneath and there's a chimney on top it's basically a box there are no dials no thermometers if the fire is too hot you spray water on it If it's too cool you let in more air all of that creates a lot of smoke as I found out when I visited Gary Kennebrew at Uncle John's Barbecue in Homewood. It's about 45 minutes south of Chicago. I could see the smoke billowing out of the chimney from a block away. When I stepped into the restaurant, Gary was tending the smoker, and there was this haze in the whole place. It kind of made it feel like I was in a dream. Like, when you go home, do you, like, do things look really crystal clear to you? Because you're, because you don't, you're not, like, I, I
1: would think you must be so used to living with that. Right. Haze. And when I get to my front door of my house, my wife makes me take my clothes off because <laughs> otherwise it's going to permeate the entire house. Right, so right. So I have a basket at the front door. So when I get home, I change out of my clothes, go take a shower, and then I'm welcomed home. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, so yeah. Now, as I understand it, one of the real challenges of cooking with an aquarium smoker, I mean, there's no temperature gauge on that thing.
1: None, none.
2: They're, like, it's, it's, you're cooking by feel.
1: Exactly, exactly. How do you learn something like that? Trial and error, you learn by doing. Uh, it took me a, probably about five years before I really reached the point of consistency, if you will, um, and there are still times where you learn new little things that make life easier for you. Like what, what's something specific you learned recently? Um, the timeliness of spraying because people look at it and say, oh, they spray spraying the water to cool off the fire. And that's not necessarily the only reason for spraying the water. You're also releasing uh, oxygen molecules that's going to help tenderize the meat as well. It's creating steam underneath there and that steam is actually being absorbed into the meat and that's part of that uh, tenderizing process. Oh, wait.
2: uh, Gary's spraying water. Look out. Yeah,
1: I... I uh
2: the, the flames were getting hot there. You didn't even you were mid sentence. That's what you didn't even <laughs> You're just chatting and it's like a reflex. Yeah. The flames get high and all of a
1: sudden It's automatic. You know I before I do anything else, talk to you. I got to get this meat right. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: I, I I respect that, Gary. Priorities, priorities. Right. right. <laughs> Gary's family moved to Chicago in 1968 when he was nine, so he was part of the very end of the Great Migration. He's 59 now. His dad started working in a steel mill, and he grew up living the middle-class dream on the south side of Chicago. Back home in Alabama, his family was still making barbecue over an open pit outside on their farm. But here in Chicago, where scraps from meatpacking plants were cheap and easy to get, rib tips cooked in aquarium smokers became a staple in the community.
1: You had... Primarily the rib tips that were kind of being discarded because everybody wanted St. Louis ribs, so you cut the tip off and you kind of sell that as just a remnant. And uh, the old timers were savvy enough to take that that other folks looked at as scrap and turn that into a primary course of uh, revenue.
2: And I feel like I feel like there's a powerful history there of of taking a food that someone else says is not good enough and turning it into something delicious.
1: Oh, well, that's the history a part of the history of being black. <laughs> Back in my grandparents and my parents' generation, everything from chitlins to hog malls to ham hocks, these were just scraps that were being thrown out. And I, I my, my ancestors took those and made meals out of them.
0: The Spork 4 with some of an episode called A Brief History of American Barbecue. And thanks to Anne Saini for her help bringing that to you. And thanks for the recommendation too, Ange. Please do email me at pods at rnz.co.nz when you next hear something good. And I'll be featuring lots more of your picks on future shows. Botox Cosmetic, out toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you.